0: The Gospel Shaped Home Podcast is a family discipleship resource from Providence Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina that aims to equip you and your family to be on mission with God to the end of the street and the ends of the earth. Welcome back to another episode of Gospel Shaped Home. I'm Andy Owens, pastor of family discipleship here at Providence. I am, again, you've guessed it, joined by Brian Nelson. <laughs> hey, Brian, Andy. Welcome. So surprised to see you here.
1: It's, I, funny showing up.
0: I know. I know. No, I'm just glad you're here, man. Uh, but across the table from us, we do have a new guest couple, uh, Jeff and Debbie Danforth. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Uh, Glad to have you all here. Could you
2: introduce yourselves for our listeners? Tell us, uh, yeah, tell us about yourselves. Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, Jeff and Debbie have um, lived in Raleigh for about 26 years now. There was a 10-year hiatus up in D.C., but um, we raised our kids here at Providence for about 24 years, and then we had to break off and move up to D.C. for... A job situation. Now we're back, and we've been here for about two years now. And, uh, Providence has been a fantastic place to to worship, to interact with brothers and sisters, and to minister, Yeah, to raise a family. So. Praise God.
0: Well, welcome back. <laughs> uh, is there anything about you, just kind of unique, uh, like a unique hobby or interest that would help our listeners get to know Jeff and Debbie Danforth?
2: well i'll this start surprise <laughs> I'll start. question they didn't know this was coming i had um i'm on my sixth miata and they're all real old miata so they're not expensive but i'm a miata holic you know i, I think my what uncle I used to drive a miata so uh,
3: <laughs> he's had them one at a time not six at once. <laughs> okay, that's good that's you've good. got a big garage <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice nice and
3: i love puppies and I've proven proven that by uh, we just got our second puppy, a puppy, and we raised dogs when the kids were uh, were younger, and um, I was just wanting a puppy, and so Jeff gave me Grace and let me get a puppy. <laughs> nice, nice. Was that
2: grace or mercy? That's what I wanted. Oh. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> fun, fun, and you That's guys great. have uh, some. Grandkids in this church. If we I, have wonderful
3: grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> precious, precious
0: little granddaughters in this church. Okay. Well, welcome. We're really glad you guys are here. And today we're talking about um, uh, defining moment number six the moment you get mercy in Dave Harvey's book, I Still Do. So, uh, Brian, as has become our c- custom, you wanna just like give us the big picture idea? What what's this chapter about?
1: Yeah, so I um I love you can't see it unless you're looking at the book right now, listening to this, but uh the uh, the, the title of the chapter says a moment you get and get is in quotation marks mercy. I, I think that's uh obviously that's his little twist. It's when it's been extended to you, I think is what he says in your marriage when you when you're the recipient of it. So he's really talking about the reality that um and he says somewhere in this chapter, you know if you're married for any length of time, you've wronged each other. It's just the nature of- Like uh, an maybe. hour or more. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe or maybe, day. right, or maybe even in the <laughs> day of the ceremony, you yeah. may have, but, uh, but you've, you've wronged each other. And so uh, your marriage becomes a place where um, you, you're gonna have to deal with those things. And he's pushing us toward the reality that uh, what is right and godly and consistent with the gospel uh, is that we would be people who display mercy to one another. Uh, And I love, he says early in the chapter, um, mercy sees the others trying habits but grows to accept or forget them. Uh, So we're not perfect, we're imperfect, uh, but mercy looks at those things and it doesn't become the irritant or the wedge that that creates more problems. It it actually becomes uh, I think part of the joy of the relationship to not see them as things that undermine uh your relationship but actually uh you grow over and through them he calls it a restraining work mercy is a restraining work you don't give people what they deserve (laughs) which is at the heartbeat of the gospel and so uh he walks through a lot of different things talking about mercy but but in the end what he's encouraging us to do is be a people who are merciful
0: yeah yeah you know the um you know he starts the chapter talking about how the uniqueness of marriage <laughs> as a a safe place yeah. where you can be known really known um and like all your foibles is that a word weaknesses and um <laughs> for today it is yeah frailties and you know shortcomings they all basically come out like the guard goes down you know uh the the longer you're together yet um you know, we still accept one another and show mercy to one another. Um, so being known and still loved is what makes marriage really unique and the only way that can happen is mercy, right? right. When we because like you're saying, we're gonna sin against each other, like you can just write it down. Like if you're marrying someone, you will be sinned against. Your spouse's sin will hurt you, um, but the way marriages grow strong and durable and and joyful over time is uh, showing mercy in those, those moments. So, okay. Um, <clears throat> he talks about the practice of mercy, what it really looks like practically. And he kind of goes through five things um, in the first kind of major section of this chapter. So what does it look like, guys? Like, what does mercy lived out in a marriage look like? Or at least according to Dave. And yeah, we'll see if we agree. <laughs>
3: It's having an attitude of forgiving the person, even though what they're saying and doing is, can be disruptive to what you want them to be saying and doing. And it's forgiving them because you know that Christ forgave you because you don't say and do what Christ would have you do. So we live with the, the, the knowledge that Christ forgave me for not being perfect. And so I, I forgive and give mercy to my husband because he's not perfect.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and so he like he says, you know, this first practice of mercy is that um when I'm sinned against, mercy makes reconciliation my goal, uh which really is the product of that reality uh that you you've been the recipient of mercy, and so what you you know because of the gospel, you have been reconciled to God. And uh so that same that becomes the power by which you can extend it to others. You want to reconcile. Uh he he says just a few just under when he states that out, he says, uh the gospel tamps down my outrage and my sense of injustice. Like I love that thought that uh that that he that he takes this idea that I'm I I am owed justice and the gospel says, actually no. What you're owed, <laughs> you are owed justice, <laughs> but not justice toward others. It, you don't want the justice that you're owed, right. and when you come to grips with that and you understand the depth of it, uh, and and then that He's calling you to to act that same way toward one another, uh, and you frame it in the context of the marriage, um, it 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 becomes the reason for pursuing um, peace and reconciliation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he, you know, really, the, we're going to say gospel a lot, uh, a lot. in this chapter, uh, which, you know, just makes sense because this chapter is about mercy and um, it's ultimately being recipients of mercy that makes us merciful. And But, you know, the, this first idea of, of, you know, reconciliation being the goal, like it only happens through the gospel when we remember yeah. and meditate on the fact that we, by the mercy of God have been reconciled, um, even though we deserved his judgment. So second one, he says is, you know, mercy means I look at you with compassion. Mm-hmm. What's he getting at there? Um, you know, cause there's one thing, I mean, reconciliation, like we just talked about is there's, there's tension, there's brokenness relationally, but here it's a slightly different, you know, nuance, but what does it mean that we look at our spouses with compassion?
2: Well, it reminds me of the gospel again i mean as as God has been compassionate towards me and forgiven me, then I need to to hold my relationship with Debbie both tightly and loosely you know not not um, be restrictive but but be compassionate towards her, realizing that i'm going to I'm going to cross her as well. So um, it's really about having the mind of Christ and mm-hmm. how he's been kind enough to us.
3: And yeah. the good news about that for the, relationally is that when Jeff shows me mercy, it humbles me. Mm, that's right. But then it makes me want to be merciful to him. Praise. So you get on a right. good spiral <sighs> where you're given, wanting to give it because you've been given it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. you know i so um I, upwards the crust like yes, yes and so what i think is so cool about this uh, if if you look in in the course of the the scripture everything that god calls us to do if he calls us to act like he says be merciful as your father in heaven has shown you mercy right so he, he says forgive as your father in heaven has forgiven you he calls us to love one another as Christ has, you know, as I have loved you, it's always calling us to something that we've been the recipient of first through the gospel. If you look at it everywhere in the scripture, God doesn't call us to act out in these ways without having first lavished it on us. And uh, and and so you know we I think when he says mercy means I look at you with compassion because I recognize that in 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 the moment that you may have wronged me I am likewise a sinner right like I what uh, I what I want you know everybody wants justice until it's levied toward them yes, and yes. then they want mercy <laughs> right and when you come to understand. That reality, you begin to look at other people not with a with a heartbeat to bring down the hammer of justice but instead with a desire to be loving and compassionate yeah
0: and you know he, he talks about even you know the fact that god doesn't um, he doesn't deal with us according to our sins psalm 103 he doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. And, you know, as I started this section, I wrote the note, love keeps no record of wrongs. And that's the, I think that's that's where really the heart of this is that even when it's not a moment of tension or argument, it's, there are things, maybe they're uh, weaknesses, maybe they're just peculiarities, maybe they're, um, you know, uh, yeah, just something about our spouse that would naturally grate on us we don't look at them and define them. Uh, we don't see them through the lens of those things. We, we look at them with the eyes of compassion, um, like God looks at us, not according to our sins. Yeah. So. Okay, uh, the third one is, he says, I accept your confession. Mercy means I accept your confession at face value why would anyone not ever accept a confession? Yeah. Um, What's he getting at here?
3: Well, sometimes when you're really hurt by something that's gone on, you want to really see that that other person is really, really, really sorry. And sometimes the words that they use don't convey that they're repentant or they're sorry for what they've done to hurt you. but. It's not my responsibility or I'm not supposed to judge when they say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you, or I'm, I'm sorry, or sorry, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, I'm not supposed to judge whether they're, they're sincere. I just, just trust that if they aren't sincere, that's God's work to do. That's right. And it's my work to accept it yeah. and to try not to build a um, wall between us.
1: He he um, he talks about having uh, having an an attitude or a heart that is bent toward forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So you're you're already moving that direction. I love that he brings up Matthew eleven. I mean not Matthew, Mark eleven twenty five. Uh, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you. To prove the point that in that moment, no one came to ask you for forgiveness. He, Jesus is saying, you, you should have a heart bent toward forgiveness. You should be posturing yourself where you want to extend it. So, in the case of yeah. a confession being made, you're quick to race to forgiveness.
0: He, he's going to quote Luke uh, 17 or Luke 11. I can't remember. Somewhere later in the chapter, but that's where Jesus says. Like, if your brother sins against you seven times, like, forgive him. Yep. And, you know, Dave Harvey made the point. It's like, I'm thinking after like, the third or fourth time, like, they need to start showing a little more or more. So like, <laughs> they got to start doing something different. Um, but that he he's using it to emphasize again, like our job isn't to judge the sincerity mm. of the apology or the confession. Our job is to because we've meditated on the rich, unfailing mercy of God in Christ, to be ready to extend it um, quickly. So, you you know, this really could go in lots of places. Jeff, you mentioned something earlier when we were kind of just, you know, talking ahead of time about mercy being quiet. Um, What did you mean?
2: Yeah, uh, Debbie and I were trying to come up with examples because that's what makes these podcast rich, I would, right. I would guess. And um, with Mercy, it's kind of a quiet thing that goes on that um, you look back and you have a hard time kind of figuring when it was extended to you. Um, there, you know, I can think of a, a few times where I made some decisions that um, there was probably Mercy extended to me, um, financial decisions or otherwise, where I didn't check with her before I did it but um but again, mercy is quiet, and it's 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 a hard thing to come up with um examples sometimes, so, sure, is that kind of where you were heading yeah, yeah, no, i mean
0: of? it was I thought it was a helpful
1: yeah uh, yeah I i say, um i think uh i was was thinking as you were talking, I think it's often easier to remember mercy when you've received it. But not as easy to remember it when you've extended it, because the whole point of it is that your your heart is racing toward reconciliation, forgiveness, compassion, and so you keep you know to go to First Corinthians thirteen, you keep no record of wrongs, mm-hmm. and so when I've extended mercy, I don't if I if I can recall those times that I've extended mercy, I probably didn't really have a heart of mercy. You remember that time when I, no, but, but the other person, if I'm the recipient of it, I can say, you know, I remember when I, I remember when I did this and Ellie did not respond in the way that I deserved Mm -hmm. her to respond to me over it. And I won't forget that because she was merciful and she might go, I can hardly remember that. Yeah. I mean, so
0: you said earlier, Debbie, that it humbles us when it we does. receive mercy, and we're, you know, God uses that to change us uh, and get for good, and-,
3: and it also frees us because then it's a lot of work to keep a record of wrongs, and they bur- they bear you, they are like carrying a backpack full of bricks, mm-hmm. and if each time you have to, you put you don't forgive someone, you have to put a brick in that backpack, that backpack comes becomes so heavy, yeah, and um, it's a burden. To remember what people have done to wrong you, and it's so freeing when you can take what Christ has tried to teach us and shown us and appropriate it so that we can be free. We're free in Christ, we don't have to carry around that great big heavy backpack of bricks that don't even do any good. Yeah,
0: yeah. I have a, a good example that's negative, uh, it's not good, it's <laughs> bad, it's a bad example in, in a sense. But, um, even as we were talking about this, and right now I'm remembering like. You know, we uh we became homeowners for the first time somewhat recently and um you know, you have to get a lot of things when you own a home to take care of a home and uh we had a ladder, a six foot A frame ladder, but then we got a big ladder to like, you know, do things up high and and then uh Erica was at a yard sale one day and, and she's like, Hey, I found a ladder and it was a good price and when she told me the price, I thought I don't know that's really that good of a price and we already have a ladder, like we have that same ladder. And, and, uh, I just, I wasn't very merciful. And the reason I know is because I keep remembering it. When I see that ladder, I feel this like, you know, like, and I'll give her a little jab every now and then, um, you know, somewhat joking, but like, I'm kind of convicted, uh, that man, I just need to be quicker to overlook things like that. And, you know, we can surely sell this ladder or just use it. And it's, it's okay. You know, like, um, I, I want to be, uh, quick to uh, not keep score to you know forget and that's that's how he you know what he's talking about here is is accepting that confession and she did apologize she's like i'm sorry i didn't know i should have asked you and i should have said it's fine like now we'll have two ladders it's great you know um but uh you know mercy doesn't keep score so um yeah.
1: Yeah, so I, I would say... Do you need ladders ladder? Is that what you're No. You know, I, I can imagine that there are some people that are listening and saying, you just don't understand what's been done to me. Uh, like I, And that's a very real thing. Like, I, I mean, all of us uh, sitting around this table certainly have either experienced that in our own lives or we've walked with people who've had great, great wrong done to them. Yeah. And I'm really grateful that he didn't stop there. Yes. Yeah, that's where and, he goes next. Yeah, and leave people with the impression that you just... Have have to forgive no matter what, no matter what the depth of, of wrong that's been done to you, um, and he rolls into this fourth point and says it embraces love, but it does not tolerate evil. And um, I I just think it's really important for people to hear um, mercy, a call to be merciful, does not call is not a call for us to overlook repetitive, blatant sin. That's not loving. Um, you know, uh, and uh, and and I think it's important to say, especially to married couples, where um, where if we're not careful, because we're so grateful for grace and so longing for restoration and so quick to call people to be forgiving and merciful, that we would that we would give the wrong impression that egregious sin, is okay? It isn't. Um, I mean, it cost. It, its cost was Christ's death on the cross. I mean, it—that's all of our sin. But that certainly includes those things that are repetitively harmful. And I'm—and I'm thinking in the context of marriage, where uh, where people might experience legitimate abuse. Um, it's not okay. Like it. I—I I, I just want to say as a. Pastor and a husband and a dad, it's not okay. Um, it can be forgiven, right? And I think that's what's at the heartbeat of what he's saying. But uh, but even in the context of that, actual true love is being honest about those things and in uh, calling sin sin uh, for the hope of restoration, holding on to being merciful. Uh, but not, but not glossing over things that are damaging, and uh, and I'm grateful that he would say that because yeah. it would be really easy just to to move on and say there's no room for actually calling uh, one another to the reality of the of of sin. Um, but nowhere in the scripture does God. I mean, he's constantly doing that, and
0: he, you know, the way he says it is that. Uh, it, as incredibly frightening as it may be to go public and get help. Mm. This may be the only way to truly awaken the person imprisoned in abuse. And that I feel like that last phrase is a little confusing. He means the abuser right. who's trapped in patterns of sin. Like it's not loving to let someone continue in sinful, abusive, destructive behaviors and patterns. And And there are times where... Um, you know, it's loving to bring that into the light so that there can be real healing mm-hmm. and repentance and real forgiveness mm-hmm. and uh, God willing, over time, the restoration of real trust and relationship.
3: Yeah, and even in marriage where there's not abuse but there's wrong, the pattern is not heavy, is not healthy. There needs to be a discussion of why is this not healthy, why is this not what God, why, how is this continuing to hurt me. I need to explain to you. Maybe mm. my um, family of origin, or my makeup, or something. Yeah. I mean, those discussions need to take place, and it, it's not not forgiving to have that discussion. You don't just blank over everything. Right. You have that discussion, and then you go to each other and have a, a time of confession and forgiveness. But you do have to talk. Yeah. Otherwise, it you it's so hard to the pain doesn't go away. Right. You
0: got to root those things out and. Yeah. I'm. I'm reminded of our you know conversation with Chris and Miriam about the importance of the church and like <laughs> yeah. ultimately that you can't always do that on your own, just the two of you. Like there are times where because maybe there's enough relational tension uh, that things just become you know really heated when you're trying to address something, uh, and um, you know you you need someone else kind of mediating to help maintain more um, you know civility honestly so that you can cover more ground in addressing right. issues and you just need to invite other people in for accountability for help encouragement prayer and so um, there are times where where you know we don't need to and it's not wise to try to do it alone uh, but we can invite other trusted brothers and sisters in
1: mm.
3: and sometimes there are tools that yes. you can learn that sure. you may you know very few people had a really good example of marriage growing up, you know, I don't talk to very many that did. Um, And so if you learn some tools that can, and those can be taught by someone who's maybe learned from somebody else. And so that helps the pattern not to continue to go on. Yeah.
0: Well, the last point he has under the section is, um, finally, mercy means that I'll be patient with your fallenness. And, you know, we've kind of already talked about this a little bit, but it's just the, you know, there's weaknesses that come out and our frailties put on display. That's when I said foibles earlier, made up that (laughs) word. Um, We experience one another's humanity, imperfections, and limitations, right? Lights are left on, doors are left open, especially cabinet doors. I don't know why I can't close cabinet doors. Uh, Wrecked cars, forgotten bills. There's another thing, I mean, like, I chew loudly. Apparently, you can hear it across the room, and and my wife is gracious to bear it. You guys are smiling over there. I don't know if y'all have issues or... Uh, discussions. Um, discussions. <laughs> um, we're just... He says, we're not even necessarily sinning. We're just annoyingly weak. But what mercy does is it helps us patiently bear with one another in mm-hmm. love.
3: I have to give my husband credit on that one. That is... Jeff's strength, because when I get nervous or under time pressure or scared about something, and I don't claim what God promises, which happens, um, He's really good at giving me grace and loving me, and never gives me the same irritation that I'm giving out. I, you know, I'm very free to share my irritations. I try not to, but it happens, and um, He just gives me grace, and which humbles me. It makes me not want to do that and kind of diffuses the problem. Yeah.
0: yeah. Praise God. So he says, without mercy, we can become enforcers. Uh, what does he mean by that? And how does the gospel help solve that tension?
2: Well, Christ had the ultimate opportunity to be an enforcer.
0: Judge of the living and the dead. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And... Um, and because he has been merciful to us, and we've received that, it's, it's I think it's, it's our, uh, I want to say job, but it, we, we have the freedom to extend that now because he's done that. And to be an enforcer is to kind of nullify the gospel to me is, I'm telling my wife that maybe I don't believe mm-hmm. that that's true. Because I'm enforcing, and I don't, I don't want to be that person. And um, I do want to remember daily, hourly, that who I am in Christ, what Christ has done for me, what He what He did not exact upon me, right, and um, and definitely want to in turn provide that mercy to my wife.
0: Yeah, this is where he, you know, he talks about Matthew 18 in the section and just that, you know, uh that that's the the parable of the unforgiving servant. You know, he had this uh ridiculously large debt that was canceled and then he went out and for a much smaller debt, not insignificant, but much smaller debt, you know, was was merciless towards another fellow servant and and uh, you know, he He's, the, the point is how what a contradiction that is when we've been forgiven so much our sin and the debt of our sin that we owed to god was infinitely greater than the debt that our spouse owes us in quotes and um even when we have been wronged right and um and and it's only right for us as who have received mercy to extend it
2: i feel like in this too that if you're in an enforcer, it's it's about rights. There's kind of a rights issue going Absolutely. on here, yeah. and um, there's just there's really no room for that. Um, but daily, we, I, you know, believe I have certain rights as I go through the and and it's not the gospel. It's not what Christ has called me to. But I just. I guess I want to identify that that's part of the equation going on here in terms of being an enforcer and having the right to do, you know, this, this, and this. So. Yeah. Hmm.
0: He spends a few pages talking about how we become irreconcilable without mercy, and and there's a lot in that section. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's looking at 2 Timothy 3 and this, this word in uh, verse 8 about, you know, someone who is... Uh, Implacable or unappeasable, unforgiving, right? And I think he it's a it's a gentle warning that, like, you know, there are people who may claim to be a Christian who perpetually resist efforts at reconciliation, who are always in the right. They're always uh, they always have a reason why. Well, that's not legitimate, or you are not really addressing the real issue, or you are not really humble, or you know, they, they're they're they can always vindicate themselves. Um, as to why they shouldn't forgive, and it's a danger. Like we, I think he in this section is calling us to recognize that, um, one, God's mercy should make us merciful, and two, that if we're going to err, we need to err on the side of forgiving mm-hmm. and being quick to extend grace and mercy, not to uh, calculate the genuineness of a confession and think, I don't think you're quite ready to receive this yet, right? The issue is I'm not ready to give it. And we need to come to grips with that and turn away from it. So, um, any other thoughts from maybe this section or or any other? um, Well, he he does in this section saying, how do we respond? How we respond to sin reveals our true grasp of the gospel. How? Like, how can our response to a spouse's sin show our grasp of the gospel?
3: we have to believe that that god will, will pro, is the one who provides for us yeah. he's the one that's gonna ultimately is taking care of us we don't have to go to battle mm-hmm. every time something doesn't go the way we want it to or mm-hmm. things are not perfect but we trust god that he's the provider and he that he's and one of his provisions is that he tells us to forgive so that we can have reconciliation mm-hmm. but yeah. we, you know sometimes i grew up in a home that battled you know, the winner was the person who yelled the loudest and won, and they won the the battle. It kept but, going and yeah, the Kept going, well. and there was never any peace. Mm. Maybe th- I think that's why I married my husband <laughs> because he brought peace to our relationship. But um, blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah, and so, and we've all been blessed because he's the peacemaker. Yeah, whole family. But um, now I forgot what I was going to say. So <laughs> maybe that's all I was supposed to say. <laughs> but
0: that's helpful. I mean, this is the section where he references Luke 17 and, um, you know, of, of, even if it's seven times in a day, uh, that your brother sins against you and comes and repents like seven times, you must forgive him. Jesus says, um, just seeing like our, yeah, our job is, uh, is, is to extend mercy that we've received not to, uh, not to judge others. Um, uh, Okay, um, Jeff, you had a, another quote from another book I thought was really helpful. Um, you want to share that?
2: Sure, sure. This is from the, um, a gospel primer, and um, I was reading it just this week, and it was talking about loving my brothers and sisters, and that's loving my wife as well as the brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. And I'll just read it. Indeed, I love my fellow Christians, not simply because of the gospel, but I love them best when I'm loving them with the gospel. And I do this not merely by speaking gospel words to them, but also by living before them and generously relating to them in a gospel manner. And I think the key word for me was generously because when I think of generosity, I think of nickels and dimes. But- I think
0: most people think of dollars, fives and tens okay. or twenties maybe. <laughs>
2: You can tell how old I am. All right. sorry. It just felt like it's our <laughs> But but living generously with someone, yeah. is, it's about again this idea of doling out mercy generously as Christ has done. A
0: wide Christ. heart, an open hand,
2: yeah, right. and um, so I I read this and go, yeah, I need to um, be merciful. As I walk the halls of Providence and interact with brothers and sisters, but more importantly, it's at home mm. and it's with my family. So, um, so d- generously, I think, just kind of hit my heart as something that is—it's continual. It's—it's um, it's not holding back, and it's providing mercy because God didn't hold back anything for us. He—he mm. he was so kind to me. And yeah. Us.
0: Well, uh, I think we said this a couple times, but our ability to extend mercy is very much connected to having received mercy. Brian, you want to read right. that yeah uh,
1: so so and uh, in Colossians Paul says in Colossians three put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved." Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I, you know, I, Paul, I, I just, I, I just keep coming back to this reality that everything that God calls us to is only possible for us because we have generously been given it, generously. All of these things were poured out on us. He calls us holy and beloved. We didn't deserve that. And then he, he calls us to then put on all of the things that come with that. Compassion, right, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, mercy. Why? Because that is what has been extended to us. Everything we're called to be is only possible because it has first been given to us or done toward us. Uh, it's God's heart toward us. And um, and it's why we ought to, I mean, it, it levels the playing field when we understand that. It, right. it causes us to understand what we have been given. And... Um, and invites us to to act in kind toward others. Amen.
0: Well, Jeff and Debbie, uh, any just last thoughts or anything you feel like hey this would be helpful to share for people tuning in, whether it's, you know, prompted by something in this chapter or or yeah, anything else? Anything you'd like to add?
2: Well, I'll mention that um the laugh, if at all possible. Um, oh yeah! Section that's good. Um, that's that's a tough one for me, mm-hmm. and um, I th- I think we do need to hold a lot of things kind of gently, and um, I, I know that that's that's an area of weakness for me. That I I just need to lighten up a little bit, chill out, and, um, and I, I thought that um, that story about the cell phone was right on target, and it's it's just it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of we're right, standing with God, and r- realizing, you know, what what needs to be the the appropriate amount of kind of seasoning in that in that particular situation. Yeah, good. So we'd all do
1: better if we laughed a little more at ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything else?
3: I just I it keeps coming to mind the verse in Philippians four eight. Yeah. Um, that we need to be focusing on the lovely things mm. and the um that got about our spouse mm. and it's just a tool that helps us not to <laughs> sin as much so we don't have to mm. be given this much mercy because when yeah. we're focusing on the wonderful things that God has given us in our spouse um you know day in day out it's easy to start focusing on I wish this would change and I yeah. wish that were changing I wish he wouldn't say this wish she would say that. <laughs> um, but if you focus on what God has, how God has made that person, and how lovely and um, they are, and um, then you you have a heart yeah. that you don't, that, you know, of thankfulness.
0: There's and a lot of power and gratitude to God for our spouse, and yeah, it it it, it does help us to be, in a sense, quicker and more poised to overlook weaknesses. It doesn't mean they're not there. They certainly are, but, um, there's, uh, yeah, gratitude and is, is very significant in helping us to, um, to, to see the kindness of the Lord and be quick to extend mercy. So, Mm -hmm. well, thank you guys for joining. It's been great. Um, appreciate you. Thank you. I don't know if we said at the beginning that you guys kind of serve in a mentor role in a life group. Uh, which life group is it? What time they meet?
3: We're we're with Joe and Abby Fernandez who uh-huh. are leading the group. We right. are only in, there to um, encourage them and to mm-hmm. encourage the couples. We don't leave very often. Sure. But um, and they meet at eleven o'clock, and hopefully coming back to the church more now. Um, you know this COVID. Yeah, thing we're in nice. the, in um,
0: April recording this kind of in the reopening, different life groups coming back on site. Yeah.
3: But it's designed for newly married couples mm-hmm. or engaged couples, but if you've mar- been married a little while and want to make some friends of young married couples. It's a great time to build relationships, and their teaching is really, really good. Mm, good. So, good. Well, thank you guys for
0: serving tonight. in that context. Thank you for joining here today and just for sharing from your heart. And uh, praise God for his mercy. Um, to you, our listeners, thanks for joining. Hope that you've been encouraged, and we will look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Blessings. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Shaped Home Podcast, produced by Providence Baptist Church of Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and resources from Providence, visit us online at pray.org. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts.